I will pelt you with filth. I will treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. That is the Old Testament Bible quote that opens Jordan Peele's third feature film, sci-fi neo-western Nope, which on the surface is a film about race, exploitation in Hollywood, and aliens? We'll get to that. But first, our esteemed guest, Sherry Jackson. Whoa. (laughs) Sherry! (laughs) Sherry, okay. (laughs) I'm going to get to the rest of your intro, but since I already messed up, let's just say hello. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Yes, my name is Sherry Jackson, and it's fine. It's really funny. You know, we're keeping it light. We're keeping it real. I love it. I love it so much. If I could whinny like a horse, that's what I would be doing right now. (laughs) I would be terrified. (laughs) Okay. Sherry's here today because she's brilliant. Um, Sherry's a writer. Oh, of course. I can't say enough times. Sherry's a writer, she's a dreamer, she's a photographer, and she's a burgeoning tarot expert, I'm very proud to say. <laughs> You're like the fastest learner with tarot. It's incredible. Yeah, it's called hyperfocus. <laughs> it's it's not all good. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, I hear you, I feel you. A long so, nightmare. And this podcast is not about tarot, even though everything's about tarot. It's about Nope. And speaking of hyper-focus, how many times have you watched Nope? Oh, geez. Eight times? I know know you wanted me to say 39, but I'm not insane. (laughs) I'm just dedicated. Okay. I'm not insane. You're so dedicated. So (laughs) Sherry and I met online. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, but we got to meet for the first time in Portland this summer. And I'd seen Nope like a couple weeks before we met. And I think I brought it up. Like I just randomly brought it up like, hey, have you seen this movie? And like, I'm trying to figure out what it means and I'm confused. And you just like, <laughs> and I'm like I have a theory, which is my favorite phrase. So I'm going to put that on my tombstone. I have a theory. <laughs> <laughs> And I proceeded to blow your mind. You completely blew my mind, and and that's why we're recording this podcast today, because your theory, um, which I think is correct, but I'm here to be humble. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I don't do a very good job of it. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and so so um, you, what I love is is just the the total randomness of it. Um. And I even, um, we'll talk about my sub stack, but I was uh, most pleased to reveal that um, OJ was a horse the whole time. <laughs> Welcome to the conversation world. <laughs> oh, I was going to say the end. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Horse. Uh, no, he really was, but that's not my theory. <laughs> he was, but that's not my theory. No, no, the theory that you're going to tell us about is actually um, really grounded in reality, even though it may feel a bit far-fetched at first. I think once it clicks in, it really clicks in, and it really speaks to where we're at today on a global scale and um, what we're seeing, like the trauma, just the trauma we're seeing play out as spectacle. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I do want to acknowledge we this is our second time recording the podcast and the first time we we recorded it was on October 7th. Yeah. Synchronicity. Yeah, and the world has changed a lot. I mean, my perception of the world, my I've learned a lot in the past month. I think we all have. And um, there's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of narratives floating around, um, even letters that Jordan Peele is involved in. And we're not going to go into that, but I just want to acknowledge it because I think just really clearly acknowledging reality is the ground we need to stand on. And I think Nope is this crazy fantastical film that is actually super grounded in reality that uses this fantastical narrative to speak to something that is very difficult has been very difficult for us to understand as a collective but is becoming more and more clear each day yeah and um i actually hadn't thought about how well this movie and my ensuing theory connects to what's happening in the world right now until you brought it up early this evening and so I'm actually kind of excited to talk about it but um <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know just, are we are we going too fast are we are we skipping anything I don't want to I don't want to break the outline I think we should just jump right into it I think we should uh right. help people well so I'll say this first um there's there's no agreement on the internet what nope is about. There's, you know, if you Google nope explained, there's, there's dozens of articles. There's all sorts of YouTube videos and, and Reddit threads, people talking about what they think this movie means. And the themes of the film, there's, there's so many themes and those are all present in the film. But to our knowledge, our shared research, no one else has landed on this specific theory we're calling it um which i think when we when you pointed out all of these different aspects of the film to me it just feels like it's not even it can't be a theory it just has to be what the filmmakers were trying to say because it feels very clearly laid out in the film but who knows um but yeah i just wanted to bring the attention to that first i'm assuming most people listening to the podcast have seen the film and maybe spent Uh some time on their own thinking about like what it means like i did after i watched it i was like wow what Wow. What? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those movies where I watch it, you know, on a movie night and then I read the IMDb reviews and I read the trivia and then I go to sleep and I wake up the next morning and I watch it again. It's one of those. That's the highest praise I can give a movie um, is that I have to watch it again immediately. Um, and so, but yeah, we're going to assume that you've seen the movie and, um, you know, the basic, basic surface narrative is that, there's a UFO um, in Agua Dulce, California, over the Haywood Hollywood Horses Ranch, and um, it is not benevolent. And um, there's some carnage that ensues. And OJ and his sister Emerald want to capture it on film. It is very camera shy, <laughs> and um, the uh, antics they get up to in trying to capture it on film um, are quite unique. Um, and that's really the most succinct synopsis anyone could probably give in that movie. Um, but with what? Oh, go ahead. With the Gordy's home thread. Well, I mean, and it's like there's so many threads that you could pick up. the The biggest thing is we talked about Chekhov's gun, which, and I, you, you say it better than I do, but it's a, a rule in, in playwriting, which is that there's a loaded rifle um, on the set 
in the first act of a play, it has to go off in the the next act or something something like that. You cannot have something in the play that has no meaning or no bearing on on the on the unfolding of it. And so the uh, note begins with a scene from the Gordy's Home Massacre where the chimpanzee is actually one of the chimps that played Gordy on this uh, fictitious sitcom. Um, he became enraged at the sound of a popping balloon and, well, went, well, there's a word for it, but I'm not going to say it. He um, unfortunately attaches his co-stars and uh, maimed some people, mauled some people. And uh, there's only one sur- survivor that we know of um, that was pointed out, and that was um, Ricky Park, who grew up to be Duke, who is one of the main characters, and he's played by Steve uh, Yoon. So um, the reason that it, the movie begins with this scene from Gordy's Home Massacre is because, as with other movies that I will be reviewing on my Substack, it is crucial to understanding the point of the movie. So I'm going to read um, a couple paragraphs from <clears throat> my article, and we'll talk about what my theory is. So I know, Kelly, you're very excited to get right to the heart of this. <laughs> so good. All right. So a young rookie park watched an animal savagely beat and maim his co-stars and who knows how many bystanders on the set of sitcom Gordy's Home in 1998. A chimp who had always behaved accordingly for almost two seasons, with whom Ricky had fist bumped, held hands, likely hugged, split a banana, went from zero to ten billion, from angel to devil, from yes, the world makes sense to no, nothing about this world will ever make sense ever again, right in front of Ricky's eyes, and all for the single pop of one balloon. Ricky's entire world vanished at essentially the snap of a finger and was replaced by an immeasurably crueler, colder, definitively godless place. Um, the next time we see Ricky, he goes by Jupe and owns the Jupiter's claim to her attraction. And he seems to be doing well for himself. He's married with three kids, just had a reality TV show air, and his pleasant personality seems right for the adult outcome of a child who witnessed such trauma, but got all the help money could buy. I mean, people move on, right? <clears throat> when asked about that day on set, he uses the SNL parody skit version, Bad Gordy, to completely distance himself from the event while still being able to describe the absolute brutality of it. He keeps an entire memorabilia room, too, including the single kid, likely a bit of morbid fascination you would allow someone with such a past, and all would be well and good then, except people don't just move on, and there's a UFO in Agua Dulce. <laughs> so what is a tulpa? It's an entity created in the mind, acting independently of and parallel to your own consciousness. They're able to think and have their own free will, emotions, and memories. And this is, of course, a more modern take on the concept, which in theosophy, it, sorry, which in theosophy dates back to the early 20th century and originates in the Vajrayana concept of the emanation body. And there's a really cool um, episode of the podcast Monster Talk called uh, Tulpas, uh, Slender Man and Tulpas, which is where I first heard about um, the uh, the concept. <clears throat> and I'm probably loosely borrowing the term when it comes to my Nope theory, but I, I, I do believe that Jordan Peele knows 
what tulpas are. Um, and so there are some hints as to Jupe's role in the spectacle of this UFO, which is what everyone calls it, once we start to watch from his traumatized perspective. So first of all, if you look at the UFO from underneath, which we get a good view of it when it kind of, it, it's after the Star Lasser experience goes horribly wrong and um, OJ has come to pick Lucky up and um, the UFO kind of swoops down out of the sky towards OJ. <laughs> and I remember I was watching with my friend and I said, um, can you rewind that? And he did. And I was like, okay, so that's a, that's a cowboy hat, right? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I guess it is. There's even a little hair in the brim on one side. It's, it's a, it's a UFO. Everybody keeps saying it's a UFO. It's a UFO. These are aliens. The thing is a cowboy hat. And I'm like, okay, so that's crazy. What, what is that about? Um, and then the other thing, well, one of the other things is that it makes these popping noises, especially when it seems to be looking for its next victims. <laughs> um, and the reason I know they're popping noises is because we had the subtitles on and uh, <clears throat> not the subtitles, but the uh, closed captioning on and it said popping sounds. Uh, and uh, what was the single thing that made Gordy go crazy on set, but the pop of a balloon. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we also know that the Gordy's home massacre lasted six minutes and 13 seconds. And Jupe first spied this quote unquote UFO at 613 in the evening. Um, and uh, he's all, the, the, the UFO is also made of a very fine fabric, which is one of those things that I'm still puzzling over because there's so many different ways to connect these threads that we're talking about. Uh, but it's, it seems to me to be the same level of, of thinness of fabric that was on the dining room table when Ricky was hiding underneath. He was looking at Gordy, but he was looking through this kind of green veil. Um, and then of course, when, when jean jacket is what they call it when it opens up into this crazy you know angel shaped thing it's got this green eye it's the same color green so what does this have to do with the concept of the tulpa well kelly do you want (laughs) to yeah the 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 ufo is a manifestation of ricky's unprocessed pain and trauma um and it's actually so on the nose when you watch the film through that lens. It's all laid out and it's all very clear that, um, that what is terrorizing Emerald and OJ is, is this, this pain manifestation, this tulpa from young Ricky's consciousness, you know, grown up jupe. Um, who isn't dealing with the pain, who never dealt with the pain. He just pushed it down and it then manifested into the world as this entity that got away from him. It's detached from him. His pain became something else and is now out there harming others and eventually ends him and his family. Um and as you mentioned, you know, there's the popping balloons. Uh There's the 613. There's the cowboy hat. Um, and there's even right, and I guess I should mention the cowboy hat connection is that 
the character of Jupe, aka Ricky, uh, when Ricky was young, his first breakout role was on a show called Kid Sheriff. And, uh, I think his, his, his character's name was Lil Ricky. Um, so the cowboy hat is part of that manifestation of his, his, something from his childhood. Mm-hmm. Something specific to him. Yeah. And we, like, think of the nature of a UFO. I mean, that UFO specifically first manifests as a cloud. It hides as a cloud. Um, uh-huh. you know, which, you know, we know to represent air and thoughts and the mental realm. Um, uh-huh. but there's like, you know, there's little clues like when OJ is in the barn and he thinks it's aliens and you think that there's aliens in the barn with him. And then it turns out it's Ricky's kids in alien masks and monkey suits monkey suits <laughs> like the alien mask right. is on the monkey body yes monkey body i think that's going to be my next reddit username um <clears throat> and and also i mean there there's a a really nice cut where oj is kind of he's you know he's staring off into the horizon across the the vast you know range and and they're he's talking with Emerald about, you know, what the UFO could be. And he goes, what if it's not a ship? And the very next scene is the full Gordy's home massacre. Mm -hmm. Again, Jordan Peele knows what he's doing. (laughs) And, and when I, it was probably about my third, my third time watching the movie when I was, I was trying to really understand the connection of why he, why Jordan Peele was saying this movie is about spectacle. It's about the violence of attention. And I was like, I'm not seeing spectacle. Well, I see it now, but I, I just was looking and I was looking and I was seeing something else. And once my mind kind of reoriented, reoriented itself. Um, I think the first big tell for me was the way that Jupe could only recount to Emerald about the massacre via this, you know, secondhand, you know, SNL skit. Um, and he's using this, this wonderful language <clears throat> where he's talking about Chris Kattan and he's a force of nature. He's just killing on that stage. Uh, and it's this really wonderful, you know, double meaning to these lines. Uh, and I, I was like, that is so crazy that, you know, this is the mark of a traumatized person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just a really, I think, wonderfully layered, meaningful interpretation of what's going on in Note, because if you just rely on the surface narrative, it's just a wacky story. As my friend said recently, it's decent, you know? And it's like, it's, it's so much more than decent. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I pulled up a couple reviews when I was doing my research, and, you know, some of them admit that they don't know. They're like, you know, Time Magazine is like, we don't know what this is about. It it, it has themes of capitalism, black representation in filmmaking, surveillance culture, but, like, we don't really know. Like, maybe it's a moral judgment about humanity's obsession with money and spectacle and that, like, and all of those things are present. But, you know, another review, The Ringer said they called the film Shapeless. And they said, you know, maybe it's flawed or, or is it even worthwhile, you know, because there's so much happening. And I think most of us, when we watched the film for the first time, we were like, whoa, that was a lot. And I was it was really engaging. It's very well done. But I just don't know or understand what exactly what, what it was about. 
But when uh-huh. you see, when you recognize, like, first of all, the film opens on the massacre, like the film opens on its theme. The film opens on the inciting incident of what then creates the tulpa, what creates the UFO, what creates Jean Jacket. And um, to, to the point of, of Jupe, you know, little Ricky being so suppressing it so much, like in his office there, you know, that room is tucked away. It's hidden inside. You pointed that out. Like that's another metaphor of like the room where he keeps all the memorabilia is tucked away on the inside. In the innermost chamber. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But there are other examples of suppression in the film out. Like we see this with Emerald and Angel also choosing to disassociate and disengage from the experience. Um, so it's not just Jupe, but like after Jupe is taken, there are other people dissociating who are choosing not to participate and feeling the pain and the trauma. And that's represented by Angel and Emerald in contrast to OJ. We get these scenes of them after, um, after the big jean jacket attack. We get these scenes of them in Angel's apartment and Angel and Emerald are wearing these these VR headsets and they're just completely zoned out. Oh, and OJ, super high. Yeah. And OJ yeah. is, 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 is sitting there just like eyes open, like processing what happened while the other two are disengaged. And then they go to this diner. And again, OJ is just sitting there processing while Angel and Emerald are shoving their faces with food. And outside the window, you see a fight break out. You just see a random fight breakout, which to me felt like such a clear representation of like these two people choosing not to sit with their pain, choosing to numb instead. And then outside the window, like as above, so below, that pain is going to go somewhere and this fight breaks out. And then they go outside and OJ and Emerald have this confrontation, right? And you look at their, with their, what they're wearing. And this is where we remember like the Chekhov's gun piece, like everything on, put in a film is intentional. Like every costume choice is or should be. Or should be. <laughs> but certainly on on a on a, a film of this level, everything is very intentional. Um uh-huh. you know, they they sat in meetings and discussed exactly what these 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 characters were gonna wear. And you look and Emerald doesn't want to deal with it and OJ wants to deal with it. And OJ's wearing a zap a, a, a Zapatista t shirt. He's wearing a t shirt with a picture of Emilio Zapata, who was an anti-colonial, like, indigenous leader in southern so-called Mexico, who, you know, who led a resistance against colonialism. That's what OJ is depicting, this very anti-colonial image. And meanwhile, Emerald's in a shirt that says Jesus Lizard, which I think is some sort of ban. But if you think about, you know, like, these people with their theories, like the lizard, you know, so on, people yeah. come out with these these theories of <clears throat> buying into spectacle instead of buying into truth. And I think, like, the whole – there's there's so much to impact here with, like, opening with this 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 Bible verse from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, referencing that, and then there's – there's, you know, calling Jupe, Jupiter, Jupiter's claim, right? The little, little, like, he grows up to run this place called Jupiter's claim, and Jupiter is Zeus, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. one of the same, they're synonymous in, in mythology and symbology, and that's, that's a, that's, that's a godhead representation. Um, anyways, so it, it's just, it's all laid out there for us to see that the, when the pain, 
gets suppressed under these narratives, right? And and spectacle gets centered instead of actually dealing with trauma because Jupe, uh-huh, uh-huh. little Ricky, you know, then spent his life benefiting off of this trauma, bet, like creating spectacle out of it um, and staying asleep. And we just see these, you know, we see these characters staying asleep throughout the film or waking up in different regards. But OJ is the one whose eyes open the whole time. And, um, yeah, one of my <laughs> more favorite turns of phrase is um, that nope isn't directly about the problem spectacle or the violence of attention. It's about the damage that's done when you know there's a problem. And instead of facing it, you just go, nope. Right. Right. Yeah. And I- yeah. And I really I really love how you interpret that the scene with him in the diner and how their avoidance, uh, the effects, the symptoms of the consequences of their avoidance, their, um, what's what I'm looking for? Their very purposeful avoidance of the issue creates this outside violence. Um, and I mean, and, and you think, let's go back to the Star Lasso experience, which, I find an interesting name, Star Lasso. <laughs> there's there's so much to this movie. Um, Chup, as far as we know, did not survive. Um, everybody got sucked up. His wife, his kids, uh, the poor girl that got her face eaten by the the monkey. She she got sucked up. Everybody got sucked up by his tulpa, by his trauma, and it continued to stay manifest and um you know, have this reign of terror after, after Duke was gone. And that's a very clear to me, um, metaphor for how our trauma can live after us. Our trauma is passed down through us. And it does, it, it is, it is energetic. It is not an, just a, an idea. It is real. Mm-hmm. And, it has to be confronted because and when we see it, we see the effects of trauma. Sometimes I think that, that our entire, sometimes I think that the history of, of humanity is the history of trauma mm. because we have been left out there by ourselves, you know, naked and afraid for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And then we just pass that on over and over and over again. And to our credit, we've built civilizations, <clears throat> but we still get so many things wrong. We still don't know how to raise kids properly. You know, we still don't understand how the mind works. We still don't understand how relationships work. The history of, of humanity is the history of trauma. The history of trauma is the history of humanity. There's, there's no separating them at all. Uh, so in a way, perhaps, Jean Jacket was inevitable. And, and Jordan Peele simply saying, I'm just taking what's happening every day and putting it up on the big screen, making it a spectacle so that you'll pay attention to it. Although it was just a, a little hard to understand. <laughs> Nobody got it. <laughs> right. Wouldn't you be so mad if you're, I'd like, like, I laid it all out for you. It's so clear. It's so obvious. Like, <clears throat> Um, I, I, I don't, I mean, and there's, so 
Tokyo drifting back to my subject, the Fulia. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what a lot of the movies I'm going to be reviewing. That's kind of how I feel about a lot of them. It's like these directors slash screenwriters slash producers, they spend all this brain power and effort and money on making these beautiful films that mean so much and so many different things at the same time. And uh, if people don't get it, they, they don't come out and be like, okay, well, here, here's what it's actually about. <laughs> it, just, it seems like they just sit back at the film festival and just smirk. And I'm like, I, I'm tired of y'all smirking. I need you to tell us what you were doing. I, I don't know. This is just me as a plebeian. Um, this is how I feel. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe that's the point. Maybe if I were a creator, I would want there to be some veil of mystery around my, my product. Maybe that's the point. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would, I think there's just such a more fruitful conversation to be had if you're actually speaking to what the writer actually was trying to convey. I don't know. It's, it's baffling to me. And, I, you know, I, I guess there, there is a sliver of a chance that Jordan Peele will be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Get off the drugs. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> I will. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I will not but... get off the drugs, but I will <laughs> stop pumping this note theory. I want to say two things uh, that back up the theory even further. And, you know, to your point of, you know, filmmakers putting so much effort in and people not always getting it. I, I think that's just, that's part of creating art, you know, and people can't hear what they're ready to hear. They can't see what they're not ready to see, um, what they're not ready to hear, what they're not ready to see. So, um, and, and some, the, I think the truth is so simple. The truth is always simple. And, but arriving at that place can be very difficult and and very very challenging and once you arrive there you're like whoa it's so simple how did it take me this long to get there but that's just how it works and you know we're talking about jupiter's claim we're talking about like this film opens with a bible quote which i believe us did as well you know it's clearly mm-hmm. on feels mm-hmm. mind as a filmmaker like the concepts of sin and the concepts of good and evil and these this separation um and I just want to point out like another piece with Jupiter's claim in, in the, in the study of Kabbalah, Jupiter is, represents the four. And the four is a very potent number because it represents, um, in many ways, it represents the matrix that we live in, this fourfold world, um, the four directions, the four seasons, um, the four dimensions, well, three dimensions of space and the era of time, right? We're in this construct of the four. And it's claimed by Jupiter, it's claimed by Zeus, it's claimed by the Demiurge. And in the Hebrew lineage, um, which, you know, this this is a, a, a quote, open by a quote from the Hebrew Bible, the mystics gave uh, God a four-letter name because God was unspeakable, God was unexplainable. So they gave, assigned God this four-letter name so the human mind could understand it. And I think that's part of what, is this paradigm that we're living in this sort of this fourfold way of existing in the world 
that is very much ruled over by the concept that God is outside of you, which allows us not to process our trauma, right? You have to repent for your sins. You're not taught to look inside, to find your own divinity and to find your own okayness. It's always about the externalization of our goodness and our worth and the achievement of that at a later time. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jean Jacket at the end of the film transforms into this other entity that looks very much like the biblical depiction of angels from the Mm -hmm. Old Testament. And it's built out of this green fabric, right? Which is the exact same green fabric that little Ricky is looking at Gordy at, at the, at the end of the massacre. He's looking at him through this fabric and it completely matches the fabric of the alien at the end when OJ is able to look it in the eye because he doesn't, Mm -hmm participate in the belief system of numbing out or suppressing. Right. And there are multiple frames, um, interpretations to nope. Um, the Tulpa theory is just one. There's another that does have to do with black representation in Hollywood where I feel that the color green represents money and the contract. And when, OJ continually he says over and over, you can't tame a wild animal. You can only enter into an agreement with one. Um, he's talking about the contract of um, that we sign uh, with those who are more powerful than us. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it it's a lot. It's a lot, and I I um, I, I wanted to say that I do believe that Ricky was looking at uh, Gordy. Looking at Gordy, the problem was that the others were looking at looking at him in the eye, and that was seen as aggression. Uh, but somehow Ricky, looking through this veil of green, kept him safe, and that's I think a very potent metaphor for a lot of things. Mm. The veil of green, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we've given people a lot to chew on, and I'll be very curious to hear people's thoughts if they agree, disagree, if they found other clues, or they're seeing it all revealed. They're like, wait, I got to go watch this film again. I want everyone to watch it again and then get back to us with their thoughts, because does it seem as obvious to you as it does to us? And and Sherry, when you, you told me, it just clicked. It just makes so much sense. And I mean, the cowboy hat, dear God, it's a cowboy hat. All right. I will die on this hill. I will die on it. It's a freaking cowboy hat. It's not a UFO because it's not. And Ozzy tells us, the filmmaker tells us when he cuts to Gordy after that line. Um, (laughs) It's not a show. A little terror in the brim. That just really gets me. It just taunts me. It taunts me, Kelly. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> but um, if I if I may really quickly, one last time refer to my Substack. It is the Fulio, um, dot Substack dot com. I publish uh, a very very long, very intensive uh, newsletter about uh, Nope. It's called Nope Explained. Parentheses No. Really really explained in parentheses <clears throat> and it talks about the tulpa theory and it also talks about the black representation in hollywood theory um and then for paid subscribers for a mere five dollars a month you get a bunch of extra crazy stuff that i thought i saw and decided to write about <laughs> so it's like a 40 minute read um if you get the whole thing and then my sub stack is just going to be for um other movies that i think are very 
symbolically rich and um, fascinating and keep you coming back. Um, for example, <laughs> Bo was afraid, which I'm telling you, we're going to be back talking about that. Um, and the uh, interstellar, um, the whale. Mm. <clears throat> Gosh, there's so many the crimes of the future. Mm. Uh, so, so that's, that's what you're going to get from me if you do subscribe, which please do, because that's a lot of work. <laughs> It is. And you've already you this piece on Nope is great. And you started off with a an intensive piece on the Neverland ending story, which yeah. tracks through the fool's journey in the tarot. And it's such a good read. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. That was supposed to be an easy one to start with. <laughs> and then I got I got, you know, I did what I do. <laughs> and we love you for it. <laughs> we love you for it. So Sherry's Substack, the Fulio, that's F-O-O-L-I-O. Um, yeah, go hang out with her on Substack. She's got a chat. We can talk about all these theories over there. We want to hear hear your thoughts. And, um, yeah, we'll definitely have you back. I, I want to talk to you about Interstellar. Holy. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I need to evolve and become a better human first. <laughs> what? No. What? That's so funny that you would say that. I just get so triggered, and then I'm like, I'm coming from a place of bias, and anyways, I'm working on it, Sherry, every day. I I, I have no idea what you're <laughs> Well, people can go read my sub stack on Interstellar that I released several months ago. It oh, I wrong. Maybe It's I talking about it. dust, but, like, dust. We're going to talk about dust because, Ooh. oh, boy. Ooh. All Ooh. right, well, that, that's my next one, so I will pay attention to the dust. It's tied into morality and morality, which we're not going to dig into, but aren't those two interesting words that are very, very close together? In the old English language. The old not English. old English, but, you know. <laughs> Fresh English. Well, thank you so much, Sherry. I'm, I'm so grateful to um, share this space with you, and thank you so much for uh, entertaining us and delighting us and giving us all of these wonderful insights into an otherwise incredibly confusing film. Oh, you're welcome. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me and letting me get my theory out there um, instead of always hiding in the shadows like I do. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Glad to have you here in the light. <laughs>